Hey, everyone. Welcome to Queerly Recommended, the podcast where we recommend queer films, books, TV shows, and more. I'm Tara Scott, and I review sapphic fiction at the Lesbian Review and Smart Bitches Trashy Books. And this week, I am recommending a sapphic romance novel set in the world of basketball. Woo! You know, I used to play. And I'm Chris Bryant. I'll tell you all about it. A contemporary romance writer for Bold Strokes Books. And this week, I'm recommending a film from 2023. As always, thank you so much to everyone who supports us via coffee, signing up for our newsletter on Substack, links to both in the show notes. Thank you also for the folks that have been reviewing and rating us on the apps. And again, also, as always, just um, if you have a friend that needs recommendations for those films, those books, those TV shows, just let them know about us so that they can check it out, too. So, Chris, what's new in your life? So remember back in September or August, I got a promotion? I do. So basically, I'm project manager for larger asphalt plant equipment. Mm-hmm. So, and it takes forever to build uh, anything. Uh, we're talking, these are like hundreds of thousands of dollars of pieces of equipment. And <laughs> so the stuff that I started, the things that I started, the projects I started, are starting to, you know, be completed. And mm. the other morning I was driving into work, going to work, and on the way out of town was one of my projects. No. With like escorts and everything. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's my drum. So I saw it leave town going to New York. That's pretty cool. Did it was very escorts? cool. Yeah. When you have an OD load, sometimes you need escorts, um, especially Uh-oh. in cities and you know larger Mm -hmm. populations you can only travel during certain times so like in new york you can't travel during the day you have to travel overnight like a vampire because yeah so it was just so cool to see it made my whole day i was you know because i wasn't expecting it i was just driving to work and i'm like oh it's my project so well that's pretty cool so congrats on your project baby being Yes. I don't know. I have the another one falling apart. <laughs> it is. Uh, I have another one that shipped out today, as a matter of fact, and should arrive tomorrow mm-hmm. in Louisiana. So basically, that's our, this is our busy time. Like uh, we start getting our projects for the most part in uh, early fall, and they mm-hmm. usually ship around now to April. So I have several oh, projects cool. coming out. So um, yeah, it's a little stressful, but uh, yeah, it was just kind of cool to see that. So all your hard work is paying off. Yes, it is. It's paying off and I'm staying focused. So that's good. Um, Also, this Uh past weekend, I went to my very first sports card show. What was that like? So it was exactly what I thought it was going to be like. It's like any other conference or convention you go to. There's tables everywhere. People are selling. uh, And in this case, they were selling different types of cards, football, baseball, uh star wars who knew that star wars had a ton of trading cards right yes so i went there the first day it was two days saturday sunday so i went there saturday just to kind of check it out see what it was and see what people were selling and kind of get an idea of the pricing you know since i'm Mm -hmm. selling cards on ebay i just thought well maybe i'm you know i just try to like to see what like things are really selling for instead of just what ebay is telling me Mm -hmm. things are selling for so they had a uh, authenticator on site, uh, a really big Ooh. JSA is the company, and they do all sorts of authentications on 
signatures and things like that. So they were there. And I really didn't have anything that I wanted them to do. But they also had another, um, oh gosh, what do I want to call them? Um, they certify cards. They grader. They're grading. They grade cards. Mm -hmm. That's it. Mm -hmm. Ah. Mm -hmm. So they're, like I have been sending them off to PSA. But then there's another company there that's like just one step below. And they were mm -hmm. there and they had a really good deal on cards. So I told the guys, I'm like, look, I'm going to be back tomorrow with a handful of cards. And so we'll see. So I gave them a handful of cards. And they said it only takes two weeks to get them back, which is Ooh. crazy. Yeah, because the other company, I had to wait four months for some of my cards That's to come back. a long time. It is a very long time. So we'll see how that goes. So I'll keep you updated here in the next uh, couple of podcasts. That might be um, where you make your fortune. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice. Mm -hmm. um, let's see. What else? The internet is mad because your team's girlfriend showed up uh, for 25 seconds. Of the I game. know. <laughs> That's, yeah. So also, I already took the day off. If and when my team and Taylor wins the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. then I will be at the parade again this year with my sister. And we will be drinking Fireball at nine in the morning. <laughs> that I sounds mean, like the path to heartburn by noon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we had such a good time last year. It was such a feel-good time. You know, we have a small mm -hmm. town. I mean, Kansas City isn't that big. But the parade is huge. Like, mm -hmm. there's never been any parade ever that has been that big. You know, whether it's a, we win the Super Bowl or we win the, the World Series. It's sports is our thing in Kansas City, hands down. Sports is mm -hmm. our thing. You know, everybody gets along and it's just, it's really cool. And it's fun to see the uh, the players interact with with the the people who are there, the fans. And, you know, you cry a little, you get happy and you're you're there with people who are like-minded and it's just yeah. it's so celebratory. It's so much fun. I really enjoy it. So I'm hoping that we can do that again. So here's to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. Woo! I hope so. And, and if they don't, which is not going to happen, we're not putting that energy out in the world, but if they don't, you still have the day off. So you can still have fireball at nine o'clock in the morning if you feel well, like Well, I will know by Sunday night if I will still take the day off or not. If they lose, oh. I will not take the day off. It will not be a wasted day. Because I can use it for like another thing like GCLS or P-Town or something, you know, use it for, for book related things instead of just, you know, football. Instead of morning, <laughs> right? And getting hammered in the, uh, <laughs> in the morning. Speaking of morning, <laughs> uh -huh. uh, yes. You uh -huh. know, here's the weird thing. I have this need to take care of my sister. She's older. Not she's older. I mean, I'm just saying she's older than I am. And you would think it's vice versa. But I've always been a mother hen, mm -hmm. and I've always looked out for her. And so I always feel like whenever we do stuff like this, I have to kind of take care of her instead of her taking care of me. It's kind of mm -hmm. sweet. It is yeah. sweet. So you're going to take sweet. care of her with a, with a flask of Fireball. Right. I'll have a little backpack. And uh -huh. uh, we have these little last, <laughs> we have these little, little different little vodkas and things like that. Oh and just, <laughs> I know. First thing in the morning, you know. <laughs> hey, yeah. it's a, it a is. once a year kind of situation. Right. It really is. It's not like I don't do that all the time, you know, because I, I always have to take care of Molly. So I can never really. Like have yeah. a beer at night or or do edibles unless I know that, you know, she's Someone being else. taken care of. Yeah. yeah. And so, so when I am able to let loose, I shall let loose. So mm -hmm. you will see this because you will be buying me drinks in Minneapolis in oh, yeah. July. <laughs> like what? Yes. That's going to be 
that's gonna be uh pretty fun because i think i have like two drinks a year but i don't mind hanging out with other people who are drinking so yes so we will it'll we'll we'll be gentle with you we will be gentle that's good uh sadly nothing i have no news nothing nothing, what? nothing is really going on except oh i've still been reading i so think that's again, amazing I'm still a little afraid to call it, uh-huh. but we're close. You're almost back, but I'm not going to say it because it's, it, I'm feeling optimistic that for whatever reason, I think honestly, it's just like being properly settled into my job now. I'm not in this constant mm-hmm. learning. I'm still learning, but I'm not constantly learning everything like from the industry to my job to my right. other things. Mm-hmm. So I think that makes it easier. So but otherwise, I don't know. Family's good. Good. Job's good. Great. Books have been good. You'll hear about those Amazing. in a few minutes. <laughs> good. Mm-hmm. But I feel that we did put a call for questions out and we got a response from Jade, who goes by Sagacious Sapphic. I think that's how you pronounce that on Twitter. And we got three questions mm-hmm. from this awesome, awesome human. Um, so. <laughs> Chris, yes. how do you, I think these are all for both of us, but how do you prioritize mm-hmm. the media you consume when there is only so much time? Um, yes, because I have a lot going on in my life with everything, job, podcast, writing, Patreon. I do a mm-hmm. lot. And so I have to carve out time to, it's good for me because then I look for things, I look for queer content Usually movies and shows are a lot faster than books for me. I would love to read and and recommend books, but I feel also like we need to expand because you and I got started in the whole book thing. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like going outside of that is kind of what I like to do. I like to try to find the movies and I love watching TV and I love watching movies and I always have the TV on when I'm writing or whatever I'm doing. It's always on. So it's just basically if it captures my interest in five, 10 minutes, I'm good. If it doesn't, I have to move on. I just, I don't have the time. Yep. So it's Um, just a matter of interest for me. I think for me, it's funny. I don't think about it as prioritizing a lot. I think in some ways my ADHD is very like, yes, this is the thing we must see when I, when I find out about something Mm -hmm. um, that interests me. And also in the opposite too, where there's times where my brain just decides certain shows or subject matter is like poison and I can't touch it. And that's just, it's not, (laughs) I'm not going to fight my brain on that. I think though, to go back to the, like, I think maybe the reading thing is working out again. Mm -hmm. I did decide to really try to make an effort to read again because last year it was like poison for my brain again i was Mm -hmm. learning too much it was just not it just wasn't working um but i also recognize that really if anybody is showing up listening because of me they showed up in the first place because of my book review and that's what people were following me for Mm -hmm. and so you know while i'm not going to beat myself up that last year was mostly movies and documentaries that was kind of (laughs) that was what i had the spoons to have and i think we'd all agree that it was better to keep the show going that way than not I was like, okay, let's just treat this as eating my vegetables or taking my vitamin or whatever it is. And so I made a goal of reading at least one book for each episode. And wow. so that was how I prioritized it. Just saying, I can read a book 
in two weeks. Mm -hmm. Surely it is possible for me to do this. And then what I think has ended up happening is it's kind of something that my brother once told me about when he was in cognitive behavioral therapy, this idea of like, the more you do, the more you can do. Um, Mm -hmm. Like sometimes you just have to do the thing to be able to do the thing. And so when it comes to the books that I'm prioritizing, I am going into NetGalley and seeing like, okay, what are the books I took from NetGalley and when are they being published? Because I want to try to talk about books relatively Mm -hmm. close to when they're going to be released. I don't want to wait too many months after, although I think it's perfectly fine to talk about a book that I read two years ago or that came out two years ago or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I also don't want to read too far ahead because I don't think it makes sense for me to recommend a book that's not coming out for four months. Because then I'm basically going to say, hey, guys, get all excited about this book. And guess what? You can have it in July. (laughs) Like people are going to forget by then. Maybe they'll pre-order, but I think it's better to try to stay like really current. So that's how I'm prioritizing. And I mean, it's definitely easier with the books on NetGalley, but it does mean that I also have to go and look and see, okay, what's coming out via the smaller indie publishers? Like thankfully, Bold Strokes puts their books on NetGalley, but not all the Ilva books make their way on there. Not all the Bella books make their way on there. Bywater, I have to admit, while I enjoy their books very much, I don't really understand their publishing schedule, but I have to go to their website to check. And it was so much easier to keep up with the indie authors, those who aren't affiliated mm. with any publisher, when Twitter wasn't you know, purposely murdered by a big old baby. It's harder now to keep up to date Mm -hmm. with that. So there are a handful of authors who I've previously reviewed who do still sometimes reach out and say, hey, I have a book coming out. Are you interested? Oh, that's great. Yeah. Which is amazing. And if you have my email address and you are an author (laughs) and you feel like doing that, please do. Because there isn't the same reliable way of being able to just like be on Twitter and see this person promoting their new book because maybe they're not there anymore. Maybe they're only on Facebook. Maybe they're only on Threads. Maybe they're on Blue Sky. I don't know. I can't keep up with all of them anymore. Yeah, I can't either. So that's how I try to prioritize it by making it sort of current. But then I'm not going to lie. There's times where, like I talked about last time, where sometimes you read one book and you're like, well, obviously I have to go back and read this other book that I read before that it reminds you of or some other, like one book can sometimes just lead to another book. And I always think that's really exciting. And I just, I like to follow that. Because as much as, yes, I'm reviewing for the podcast, I'm reading for the podcast, I also need to read for the love of reading sometimes. So like getting to revisit that book of Gun Brooks was so wonderful. And I'm so glad I did. So yeah, that's my very wordy answer to that wow. question. Okay. Because my ADHD meds wore off <laughs> a few hours ago. Please enjoy. Oh, it's Monday That's night. Why- yes, we're recording on a Monday night. That's why Mondays are so chaotic because I'm recording <laughs> like almost like 10 hours after I took my medication instead of two hours after I took it. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. So we got this, though. Mondays are good. Didn't we, we do good. the last one Monday? Yeah, we had so much fun. Yeah, we did. It was really good. So, <laughs> so Mondays are starting to turn out to be good for us. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so there are the second question. My goodness. Jade says, where are your media preferences the same and where are they different? So immediately different wise, like Tara loves the games and I gloss mm-hmm. over because I, I glaze over actually. Am I glazing or glossing? Yep. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah. just because, just because those are not for you. 
they're not for me. And, you know, I love, like, at the very beginning, back in the day when Mario Brothers and Nintendo and Sega came out. I mean, I was all into the games. And then I just started, you know, it's writing. Writing did it for me. Like, I, I lost a lot of time because of writing and deadlines. So. You can lose a lot of time to video <laughs> games. I don't yes. even know how many hours I've been playing Baldur's Gate 3 right now. And I'm not sure... I want to know. I feel like I might be better off without that little piece of information. So yeah, I completely <laughs> understand that. I also think I probably am more likely to read comic books and manga than you are. Probably, yes. I don't know if that's ever a thing for you. You know, I was actually thinking of going to Comic-Con, which is here uh, next month here. I do Ooh. I do like it. I love the I love the uh environment of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said, I love the whole community. Like when when everybody gets together on it for a cause for something that you know they really feel mm-hmm. um, like inspired by. And I feel like Comic Cons like that. Like yeah. I've done ERPs. I've done a lot of the ERP conferences, and same mm-hmm. thing. It's that that whole bonding over one thing, or yeah. bonding over you know. And with Comic Con, it's with you know your whole love of graphic novels or yeah. like certain types of artists, and it's just you know I just I love that environment. It's such a feel good thing, and so I think I'm going to go for that. Mm-hmm. So I think we're, we're the same, uh, especially for TV shows, movies. Well, I mean, we both love reading romances, obviously. Oh yes, oh yes. Um, I feel love. like that's just kind of a given. And then for TVs and movies, we both like comedies. We both like documentaries and. I guess like romantic stuff. And then I get super picky. Like you have a much wider range of things that you like to watch. And I'm also a big old baby. So I <laughs> can't handle things that are as violent as what you right. handle. Right. Like walking like dead tense. all day long. Yeah, no, I can't. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't yes. do that. <laughs> all right. Final question. What queer slash sapphic tropes in media need to die and which ones do we need more of? You know, we don't need our kind dying off mm-hmm. and shows, movies. Uh, we need the happy endings. You know, we need mm-hmm. more of the happy endings. All of us. All of yes. us. The whole umbrella needs yep. all the happy endings. I think I want to see more stories about trans people that are just like normal like it's just a normal story about a trans person it's not about their brave transition journey it's not about them suffering it's just can we just have more trans characters right being played by trans actors i think that's um something that i'd like to see more of and just like just more queer stories in general more queer people in general Mm -hmm. Again, like, can we stop? Can we not feel so much like a very special episode of right in media and instead just be there? Like, again, going back to good grief, that was one of the things that was really wonderful about it was, okay, it just so happened to be about like queer people grieving, but it wasn't like grieving over queerness. It wasn't pain specifically about queerness. It was just you could have swapped like the you could have it could have been a story about a heterosexual couple kind of at the center of it and it would have been kind of the same sort of impact so i think for me i want more stories not specifically that story but you know like i want more stories (laughs) where yeah it doesn't it doesn't matter the sexual orientation of the person in it Mm -hmm. and but let it be a queer person right 
I agree. I agree. Yay. We did it. We agree. (laughs) So, Chris, what have you been reading or watching lately? So I finished Perfect and I turned it in on the 31st at 10 o'clock. I had two hours to spare. So I like just kind of dived into everything. Like I had, I just literally today, I just finished Elena Ardell's All Things Beautiful and she's going to be in my patreon and we're going to talk about it the book it's Fun. it was yeah it was it was a really good book and so i can't wait to to quiz her and grill her a little bit so what's, so what's the yeah book about? the book is about a uh an art student and her teacher oh oh, oh. there's oh. a trope there's mm-hmm. a juicy mm-hmm. trope that so many of us love to read about that's true so yeah so i finished that up and hey, last night I watched the Grammys and it's been a very long time since I've watched any sort of music show because mm-hmm. that anxiety, my anxiety ramps up because I don't know since it's live, I don't know like what's going to happen. And there were so many stars there, so many musicians that I was like, oh, I'm just going to have to like buckle down and watch it and just see what it's like, see how much it's mm-hmm. changed. And it was actually very lovely. It oh, was good. very lovely. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, the the host... I don't know. I, I know he's a comedian, but he's a very gentle comedian. I think mm, maybe. I, I don't know. I, I didn't know somebody. I didn't see it. We don't have cable, so we. It, well, it wasn't on cable. It. it was on like CBS or something. It was a, a network show. I live in Canada, so it would be <laughs> so. Is it cable. is it cable really? Yes. <laughs> well, you can watch. Like I cried so many times. I mean, Tracy mm. Chapman. Sang yeah. Fast Cars with Luke Combs, who revived that song, you know, in the mm-hmm. country world. And and it was just like, I was crying and I'm trying to pretend like I'm not. And like, he was just so adorable. Like, because mm-hmm. he, you could tell he had so much, like, just respect. And he was in such an, an awe of her. Mm-hmm. And like, every time she looked at him, he would like smile and look away. He was so Aww. cute about it. It was just, <laughs> it was so adorable. It really was. Yeah. It was. It was very sweet and and I really enjoyed like like Billie Eilish. I was like I was going to like murder people if like she did not win for something. Cuz that uh-huh. song from the Barbie movie is amazing. Yeah. And you know, and so basically I think song of the year gets everybody sings a song or th- everybody who's nominated sings their song or something like that. I I don't mm-hmm. really know enough about it, but I think that's right or comes close to singing or who can sing yeah. sing. So anyway, so I get to see a lot of live performances. That's cool. I want to and... find the recording because I saw Twitter sort of blew up a little because Annie mm-hmm. Lennox did the, the tribute yes! to Sinead yes! O'Connor. So I yes! really want to find that video. Yes. Like you could tell she was like restrained. She really just wanted to like belt it out and just, and yeah. she was so emotional and it was just, I just love Annie Lennox. Mm-hmm. I always have. She did a fantastic job. I mean, you could just tell she was really worked up over it. Um, yeah. It was, you know, it was kind of weird because they started the uh, the in memorandum with Stevie Wonder and kind of what they were doing. They were playing songs by the people or singing songs by the people who passed. And did he die? No, no, no. He was singing like somebody oh. like everybody was singing. No, he did not. I everybody was, gonna, was singing. I, was like, I picked up my phone. I was going to look it up. I was like, how did Stevie Wonder like, die? That? No, oh no, no, no. Okay, I feel a lot better so now. now. He, that would have been. This was about to turn into a bad Monday. <laughs> no, he he was singing a song, 
Oh, and okay. and but I, I thought it didn't fit the vibe, but I didn't realize what they were doing until they actually got into it. So mm. basically they were singing their songs and I didn't know who he was singing. I didn't I couldn't identify it. It was just like kind of an upbeat song. I'm like, why mm. are we like what? Usually they have like really sad, like mm-hmm. Sarah McLaughlin Angel, you know, playing and and you know, everybody gets sad <laughs> and like I know that's uh-huh. horrible, but but that's true. And so that's now true. At least that's how it was like 10 years ago when the last yeah. time I actually watched it. But this time, you know, it was kind of cool the way they did that. Hmm. So, yeah. And All even right. Miley Cyrus did like a little uh, tribute to uh, Tina Turner when she was on stage. So oh, it was cool. it was very cohesive. It was a very, it was an effort by everybody. Nobody wanted to stand out. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody was kind of like, Show you know. Me. Yes, thank you. God, thank you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so I, I watched the Grammys and I was I liked it. I, I was like, hmm, maybe I should keep watching it. So I'm going to watch it again next year. Nice. And then, so I was trying to come up with something to uh, recommend uh, mm-hmm. for the podcast. So I rented The Color Purple, mm-hmm. um, the 2023. So mm-hmm. I braced myself to watch this movie because long, long time ago, I read the book back mm-hmm. in, I think it was 1985. Uh, the movie came out, the original movie with Whoopi Goldberg, and it mm. was it was such an emotional movie, and it was just sad. And you're just like, this is yeah, this person Seely has done has been through hell and back literally several times. And mm-hmm. so I braced myself. I was like, okay, okay, I'm gonna watch it because I really wanted to see the queerness come through because they yeah. always hinted about Seely and Suge their relationship mm. and they showed it a little bit and this was 1985 yeah you know and you kind of knew their relationship and so then i thought well maybe this 2023 movie will bring it out more because we're a lot more advanced than we were back in 1985 mm. we're a lot more accepting and uh, m- imagine my surprise when i found out it's a musical i turned it on and it is a musical yeah, you you texted me that, and I think I responded with like an all caps. What? <laughs> I mean, I get that they were trying to find the light and the darkness, you know, mm-hmm. and um, so I, for that I appreciate, but also I was not ready for it. I, I and there was like very there was less about their relationship than there was the first time around, and really? it was more, yeah, it was more story driven than character driven in this. What? Yeah, it was it was very story driven. Hmm. Okay. Like they pinpointed the highlights. The high they highlighted the book more than they did the the actual character. Hmm. So I mean, interesting. I, I, yeah, it was not queer enough for me to recommend, and I don't know that I would have recommended it anyway. Yeah, that's. I think I think I might have texted you this back, but that's one that I could sort of see it making sense turning it into a musical for the stage. But it's hard to imagine as a film. I suppose I don't have to imagine. I could just go watch it. But, you know, for it to be a film, having it's been a long time since I read the book, Mm -hmm. probably about 20 years. Yeah. Um, But it's not one that like I would immediately think that should be a musical. Right. Exactly. It was Mm -hmm. it was a very, you know, disturbing and heartfelt type story, you know, with a Mm -hmm. with like this person her whole life has just been shit and then like at the very end we find peace and and some type of happiness and mm-hmm. you're right i don't know that that would be a musical that i would go you know that seriously i had no idea this was a musical until i turned it on and there was there were some 
like there was some comedy in this in this there were some characters that brought mm. comedy to it um okay. so yeah so i i don't know so i watched that like and i was all like right. nope i'm gonna have to come up with something else and because i had all this time like i gave myself a week between books mm-hmm. and so i started true detective with jodie foster mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so but th- they're not done like it's that stupid weekly bullshit we have to wait every sunday to get a new episode yeah. Well, so, we all said that it was really good, but that it's a little too gross for me to watch. <laughs> well, that's probably true. I mean, <laughs> I'm four episodes in. I'm four episodes in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's probably halfway. And like the first episode, I was like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to like this. Yeah. You know, her character is not likable at all. She's not likable. She's even told really? like, like people in the in the actual show are like, you know, nobody likes you. Nobody wants to work with you. Nobody likes you. And 100 percent you see it. Whoa. So and Jodie Foster plays a straight woman, which doesn't really work in my head. <laughs> no, especially now when she's such a lesbian icon <laughs> i know why are you playing this and we know what her wife looks like mm-hmm. and but there's other queerness on the show though that's cool yeah so there's that i mean if this ends up being a good series i will recommend it i think mm-hmm. if it ends up well but like right now she's a very tough person to like but there are people mm-hmm. like that yeah. and oh, like if sure. you're in like the north pole you're north of the north pole I mean, you don't see daylight for 60, 70 days. Is that where this takes place? Yeah, it takes place somewhere up in the Arctic Circle. And, you know, you don't see... It's a fake, fictitious place because we Googled it and it doesn't exist. But, you know, it's some, like, Arctic place that, like, science station, you know, that's trying to find, like, the beginning of life and blah, blah, blah. My brother used to um, work somewhere sort of Really? Yeah, he's uh, he's in the Canadian military. And he got stationed for six months at um, Alert, which is kind of like, do you know that point? I think I'm remembering this correctly, but that point of Canada that's almost touching Greenland. Yes. It's so far north. It was there. Wow. And so he would occasionally send photos and he said, so we were told we weren't allowed to come into work today. And then he sent along the photo that somebody took of like a polar bear just wandering around the I don't know that you can call it a neighborhood. Like, is it a right. neighborhood it's when like so a few street. people live there? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Just one street. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and it's so cold. I mean, yes. like, it would just be, like, miserable. And then, like, everything's kind of clapboarded together. There's, like, really no, like, like insulation or things that I look for. Like, how how do they just have a door? And it's, like, minus 30 degrees outside. Why don't they have, like, you know, it's just... Yeah, because I think about things like that. And I have been to Alaska and you're in Canada. So you know what it's like when it's really, mm-hmm. really cold and mm-hmm. how people just don't go outside. And yeah. no, absolutely. Well, I yeah. think I think uh, it was on. The, wasn't it on the last show I talked about? It was that cold and our poor mm-hmm. little dog fell over. Right. <laughs> she was trying to come back in from being like, yeah, the dog knows you don't go outside. <laughs> That's awful. Why are we laughing? <laughs> uh, she's fine now. She's doing she great. Yeah, she recovered. So don't worry about her. <laughs> okay, good. She's happy. I love her pictures. Okay, uh-huh. so Tara, what have you been reading and watching? All right. So I am still on Drag Race season 16. I find it super interesting watching a season that there is someone who has decided I want to be the villain. I want the villain edit. 
she's such a bitch. Oh. And oh, I, I can't... mostly hate it. But How also... does your anxiety not like just grab you and like because the person she's been going after has not been taking it and has been turning around and oh. saying, why are you such a C word? Like, what is wrong with you? Why are you doing this? And it's incredible. So I think it actually works for me because the person she's really going after is just like, fuck you. Who are you? Why are we doing this? Which I kind of love. So I, I like that. And, but also she's been doing some like, what? Ooh, I don't know what I'm doing. And like other people can see it. and so. I'm hopeful that she's going to stop doing it soon. They also had the saddest departure possibly Aww. in the show's history where one of the queens, it was so, so disheartening because she, she was by far the better dancer in the lip sync. Ah. But she didn't know the words. It was the oh, one no. song she didn't know the oh, words no. to. And that is an automatic elimination. And when she got told she was going home, she started sobbing and they left it in there, which like I sort of get because yes, it's good TV, but also I was like, oh no, now I'm crying with you. This is so no. like all the queens were everybody was crying. It was so what song was it? Do you remember? Dark Lady by Cher. <laughs> <laughs> which... Wow. Again, it's one of those like. Yeah, of course she doesn't know it. Not that like drag queens haven't ever danced to it before, but like she's a Vegas queen. Like I just don't think that would be playing in a club in Vegas. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's a very, very interesting season. Cause remember how how the last season of Regular Drag Race, I was like, I don't know. We already right. all know who's gonna win. It's not that interesting. This is not Boom. like that. Okay. <laughs> very interesting season. It's quite spicy. I'm enjoying it. And then I'm going to talk about a book that I've started. So I'm reading, haven't finished, but it's called Not in the Plan by Dana Hawkins. It comes out soon or just came out recently. Can't remember which one. So Charlie is the owner of a failing coffee shop, I think in Seattle. Um, She's <laughs> very cute, very, you know, likes to wear fairy wings out at some parade situation, <laughs> like very sparkly, nice. yeah. whatever. And then one day this like super hot kind of mask presenting woman comes in and it's Mac, who is an author who had an incredibly successful first book. But you know how sometimes with some authors, like you can hit that sophomore slump oh, real, yes. real, real hard. Mm -hmm. And so Mac lives in New York, but is in Seattle visiting her parents and is like, oh, I'm in this coffee shop. I'm just going to write a whole bunch of words. And so Charlie becomes almost like a muse for Mac, who comes into the store to write. They're really attracted to each other. And so far, I'd say there's some really interesting representation happening because like with Mac, she lives with anxiety and you can mm -hmm. really see how it impacts like her physicality as she moves in the world. Some of the decisions that she makes, her relationship with her parents, you find out it's because she was raised by like her parents were 16 when they had oh her. wow and so it's this very like look we fucked up but you can't fuck up you need to have like take all the opportunities that we didn't get and it was one of those as i was reading that part i was like oh yeah okay i could definitely see how this could lead to some things later on in life if that's how you were raised and then charlie has her own kind of problematic parental situation doesn't doesn't talk to her mom her dad is not reliable not with you know money like a just a lot of issues but their chemistry is really good and i don't know it just has a good vibe so i've been enjoying this one 
Um, so I would say I haven't finished it yet, but if people were inclined, that nice. might be a great one to pick up. And then nice. I'm going to talk about one that was pretty close to being an official recommendation. And then I read the book that I am recommending. Mm-hmm. And so you were I'm so really excited about this too. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I love that you're reading again. I love it. I know. Right. Mentioning three books. Holy crap. Who am I? Right. Uh, so this book is called Keep This Off the Record by Arden Joy. It came out very recently. And so it's about Abigail and Freya. They were enemies in high school. And it opens at the 10-year reunion where they are clearly still enemies because Freya is a total bitch to Abby. And Abby throws a drink in her face. Um, so yeah, a decade hasn't changed anything for them. But Freya is this like super famous TV news journalist person. Let's just throw all the adjectives together to say right. what she did. <laughs> and so Will is her producer. He was her date to the reunion. And he falls for Abby's best friend, Naomi, who, you know, they all went to high school with together. So Abby and Freya are going to have to figure out how to be around each other. Abby and Freya's friends, they really think that like, okay, where's this antagonism coming from? Maybe they probably love each other. So can they find a way to turn that hate to love? So here's the thing with this book, though. I do recommend it first of all i definitely it's not my official recommendation i do recommend it but when i read it i was really conflicted because i could not put this book down so much so that there were a few times that frankly i probably deserved to pee my pants based on how hard i strained the abilities of my bladder like it was those like just like another i'll just, I'll just read a couple more pages and it's like half hour 45 minutes later me going fuck and running to the bathroom well it's um, portable you could take it with you if you we're so inclined. I I'm just saying. <laughs> should have thought of that. That I, would uh, have been smart. And yet. <laughs> so like I couldn't put it down. But I like based on the blurb, I was like, I thought this was a, like, is this a sapphic romance? Like what's happening? Because I got more invested in Will and Naomi's relationship. There's so much found family, which I love. Like I love found family books. Yeah. But it felt like it was more about the found family than it was about Abby and Freya when the whole when the blurb was really like, no, no, it's these two women. It's enemies to lovers and they're going to be getting together. And so I went for lunch with my friend Stacy a couple of weeks ago, who I think I've mentioned before um, on the show. We're neighbors. And I was like, can I just talk to you about this book? And I was kind of walking her through what happened. And, all, and, and then she paused and she goes. Isn't that just the plot of Much Ado About Nothing? And I was like, son of a bitch, <laughs> because <laughs> that's exactly what it is. This book is a contemporary sapphic, re super queer, not just sapphic, because there are other queer characters in the book, reinterpretation of Shakespeare's comedy, Much Ado About Nothing. And part of why I was so mad is that this is my favorite play by Shakespeare, but I haven't read it. Or watched the adaptation with Emma Thompson and Kenneth Branagh mm. in about 20 years. It's been a so while. So, like, yeah, I watched that movie a bunch of times. Yeah, I read the play more than once. But also, a lot's happened in the last 20 years. Right. Have you heard of my husband and my children? <laughs> <laughs> and yes. career changes and all these things? Mm -hmm. um, and so... When I first read it, I was like, okay, high school rivals becoming present day lovers. Okay, that sort of works. All right. But then it was like, oh, no, this makes a ton of sense. And then as much as I thought the found family weakened it as a romance, and I suppose if it were just the romance that was written on the back, like in the blurb, then yeah, it would not be the best romance. 
but it makes so much more sense because Will is like Claudio in the play and Naomi is like Hero in the play. So like all of these side characters were also a part of the play. It was all a nest. There was this like whole side plot with Naomi that I was like, what the fuck? Why is this here? Who is this villain? What is going on? It was like, yeah, because just like in the play, mm, yeah, it was bringing that element in. So this is where I have to say, I don't think I very often make comments about how books are marketed, except for the occasional I have had things to say about covers sometimes on previous episodes. <laughs> this is not about the cover. I'm baffled and find it extremely curious that the blurb doesn't mention anything about much ado about nothing mm -hmm. when people love reinterpretations of classics right like really really love them it can really get people interested in buying them and i will note that on amazon and netgalley i did get this um as an arc from the publisher on netgalley thank you to the publisher but and for people that don't know arc stands for advanced reviewer copy i think mm -hmm. So like further down on the page for both of them, there's a quote from another author that mentions much ado about nothing, but I didn't yeah. go that far because I read the blurb. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to go hunting for other authors comments on it because I don't tend to care right. about those. I don't find those compelling. And so I think I, I'm not only baffled, I'm kind of frustrated by that as a marketing choice because this is a superb reinterpretation of much ado about nothing it's such a good retelling and i actually think that it improved on a weakness in the original play hmm. because in the play the villain doesn't really have a motivation he's just like evil for evil's sake and in the book there is a motivation to the villain and i think how brilliant to look at that and say well that's stupid it makes no sense let's do it this way and i'm like hell yes like, if I could high-five the author, I would high-five the author. <laughs> so, please, 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 if you read this book, go just watch the 1993 adaptation, and you will enjoy it even more if you don't remember the play or if you've never read it, because it's really beautifully done. And I think if I had known that before I read it, this would have been my book of the year. And it might still end wow. up being my book of the year, but I need to watch the movie again and yeah. then read the book again. Because I feel almost like I need to let enough time pass that I won't remember quite as well. And then if I do that, it's going to lock it in my brain as like the best. So now do you think it's fair that, I mean, are kids reading Shakespeare nowadays? I mean, this is kind of a young adult, right? Ish? New, new adult? No. No? No. They're 28. Hmm. 28. I well, well, I don't know. Do My kids think who people... has kids in high school, <laughs> like English majors still read it for sure. Well, yeah, um, but I mean, English majors are like not everybody. Nice. I, no, I was, an, I was an English major. <laughs> it's all right. It's okay. It's We're a, nerds. It's okay. Um, but I'm just saying like, not everybody, like I can't remember. I even took a Shakespeare class in college and I don't remember hardly yeah. any of it. I've also been heavily medicated since college. 20. Yeah. 20. <laughs> Something, but yeah, it's so. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to remember everything, but I think it's okay to appreciate it as a, you know, if you didn't know it, if if somebody read it well, and didn't know that it was Shakespeare, it was like, oh, this is a great book, blah blah blah. 
I'm going to say I don't typically comment on Goodreads or Amazon reviews on here mm-hmm. because I think, you know, you and I have had a lot of right. conversations about Goodreads over the years. Yes, I think authors I think authors should stay away from Goodreads. It's not for them. It's for other readers. Other readers blah, can be brutal. Blah. But yes. I was really curious after I learned this about it just to see because uh, I was like, like, am, am I dumb? Like, what's happened? Did I miss it somewhere? Like, I really I felt like there was an imperative for me to figure out, like, how did I miss this? Was it in the blurb copy? And I didn't see it. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. it's not there. And then I went to Goodreads. And then I started reading the reviews and I realized the reviews are extremely mixed. Oh, really? And nobody was mentioning the play. Mm-hmm. So this is where I think even if you don't know what the play is about, because I don't think Much Ado is one of those like typical uh, Shakespeare plays that gets taught in high school. Right. Because high school is usually what, like Romeo, Romeo and, Juliet, and Juliet, Hamlet, Macbeth. <laughs> right. Right. Maybe, right. maybe Henry the something. Like maybe, but I don't think even then. I think it's Romeo and Juliet, Hamlet, Macbeth, and that time. Maybe Othello. Maybe Othello. Yes, yeah. absolutely. But I think that when people know that yeah, a book true. is a reinterpretation of a in classic, right. exactly. It like it changes your expectations. And so for me, that's where I feel like I have these two very different experiences of this book, which is before I knew this and after I knew this. And if okay. I go purely based on what does the blurb say and what was it like before I knew this, I don't think the book fulfills the promise of the blurb. Mm. But now that I know this, I think it's the best reinterpretation of a classic that I've read possibly mm. ever. And if it's not, it is in the top three. Thorns. What? So, Thorn? <laughs> oh, the um, Anna, Burke, Anna Burke. Burke. Yeah. Absolutely. That was yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout outs. Oh, that book is so yeah, incredible. That is good. Yes, <laughs> Thorn by Anna Burke. Mm-hmm. Is, well, it's not a contemporary retelling, but it is a retelling oh. of Beauty and the Beast, and it's gorgeous yes sorry i I didn't mean to take away from your stage i just thought i would throw that out because Mm -hmm. that's gonna be Mm -hmm. in the top five of anybody's yes i think that's absolutely fair but if we're saying strictly contemporary like okay taking a classic and putting in a contemporary setting i would definitely i would still put this at or very very near the top if you want to include any kind of retelling like queering of fairy tales oh yeah, I mean, Thorn is probably the best one. You're right. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. That one's great. So I th- I don't know. I think I want more justice for this book than what happened with that blurb. <laughs> I've never been so mad about a blurb before. <laughs> Listen, I have to fight blurbs all the time. That is my life. I'm actually getting on the phone Thursday with my editor because mm. she's going to fight me on the blurb. She does it every time. And I'm like, I don't write the book until... I mean, the blurb's written before I write the book, and sometimes yeah. the book kind of goes on a different tangent, and I can't help that. It's the way the story comes to me. Can't blurbs be updated? Um, if it's it's just like an act of God to change a blurb, like because you have to go back to Amazon, you know, because they want the stuff a year in advance. So, like, oh. I have to have a blurb written for something that I haven't written, that I'm not even, like, started writing. It has to be done a year in advance. Dear Amazon, can we fix this, please? Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, it could just be for the volume because I know there's a lot of self-publishers, you know, that that can't get that blurb out and get it, you know, the book out 
pretty quickly, but I, I just, I don't know how this works. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I just know that I need to have the blurb done. My God, get it done and get it done a year before the book comes out. That's wild. Yeah, it is. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Well, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not going to speculate any further on this, how, how this happened for this book. I will just say, read the Wikipedia synopsis of the play. <laughs> Or again, do yourself a favor. Those that notes. 1993 adaptation is oh, I love Emma delightful. She's wonderful in it. Yes. So yeah, watch She's wonderful. That, period. Read this book, and that's the way to do it. Okay. Good. <laughs> All right, Chris. Yes. What is your official recommendation this week? So because I really put all my eggs in one basket and was uh, all in color purple. And like reached out to you and I'm like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you bummed. recommended, yes, I was, I was, I was bummed. I'm not going to lie. Mm-hmm. So Tara says, well, you know, we're, well, you don't really talk like that, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, go on to your impression of me. <laughs> so we're watching. No, you said, you told me that you really enjoyed, or you and Neil were looking at um, theater mm-hmm. camp. And so I said, okay, I'm going to give it a try. And I absolutely loved it. I loved it so much. So I'm going to read the synopsis like I always do. Mm -hmm. Um, Theater Camp is a comedic mockumentary. I love that. I keep forgetting about the word mockumentary. Uh, Written and directed by real-life former child stars Ben Platt. And you all know him from Pitch Perfect. I think, is he Benji in Pitch Perfect? I think so, yeah. yeah. And Molly Gordon, Nick Lieberman, and Noah Galvin. It centers on a summer drama camp called Adirondacks, A-C-T-S, that's in New York, whose beloved founder, Joan, has a medical emergency shortly before camp starts and ends up in a coma. And so it's kind of funny because they start filming and like a day into the filming, Joan has, she slips into a coma. Mm-hmm. And so they they put on there, we decided to keep the documentary going. And I thought that was mm-hmm. kind of funny because it's a, it's, you know, it's not real, yeah. but um, so here's the thing. I don't know anything about theater camp. So I don't know how true, like what actually happens at theater camps, but I was laughing the whole way through. Yes. Like the whole way through. And I'm, I'm sure, I'm totally sure everything was exaggerated. Mm-hmm. Like, I just don't know. So I just have yeah. to roll with it. And if you've seen, like, like we talked a little bit beforehand, if you've seen Best in Show, it's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like that. Only, like you said, it's a lot more gentler than that. And yes. it's also kind of like The Office. Yes. It kind yeah, of, yeah, you yeah. know, that interview type person, you know, you're interviewing them, you're seeing them do something, yeah. and then it cuts away to an interview. So, or just like a, like not really interview, but I guess so. It was just, it was very clever. I like the whole back yeah. and forth way. So everybody there is, incredible well i say everybody most of the people there are are incredibly queer they're diverse they come from different backgrounds they have different like ethnicities yeah yeah like there was so much there was racial diversity there was gender diversity there was gender presentation diversity but also body size diversity yes yes and i loved that the kids this was actually probably one of my favorite aspects Mm -hmm. of it because it's a it's a it's a theater it's a summer camp for kids Mm -hmm. and they just looked like normal kids Mm -hmm. 
It's they not do. like Hollywood kids where they all look like little dolls. Like, no, these kids and like <laughs> incredible singers and performers. Mm-hmm. Like they were all so talented, but they just some of them look like kids that I would not be surprised if I came home one day and they were hanging out with my kids. Right. Because they just look so, so normal. Yeah, it was like so the adults are the hot messes and they're. Oh, yes. Like yes. and the kids are the ones that have their shit together in this whole movie. Yes. And it's great. Yes. And I love like yeah. there, there's one kid, his name is Devin. And at the very end, he comes out to his parents as being straight. He has two gay dads. <laughs> and he's like, dads, I'm straight. And they go. And they said, oh, we know, we know, son, we, we're happy for you. We support you. And I thought that was great. I mean, they yes. like turned it around, you know, and the kid was stressed. And, and also it was funny because he was like the heteronormative kid, the boy, mm-hmm. and who liked to play football. And like everybody like kind of shamed him like, oh, what are you doing? You're in theater. You shouldn't be playing sports. And he's just, mm-hmm. you know, it was his first year at the camp. And he's just like, what? Like, what? Yeah, so it was it, it was, was really cute. cute. I loved the representation of the kids. I thought they were so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, like every single person, like all the teachers or instructors there, they acted like they were super famous already. Like yes. they treated this like it was Broadway and this was their moment to shine. And it's this little like tiny little camp. Like it's kind of a yes. dumpy little camp. And the people that ran it, like the whole problem is that Jones in this coma and her son has to (laughs) he doesn't realize that how bad financially the camp is in the situation they're in and so he's i I love the scene at the very beginning he starts he's starting the interview and he's talking and he's looking at a playbill up on Mm -hmm. the wall do you remember that scene and and he's like play ball (laughs) (laughs) he didn't even read it right like he can barely read and he's like yeah i have uh, I'm trying to think, what was it called? What did he call it? I have BDE. Yes. Oh, yes. Yeah. Business BDE, development yeah. energy. Expertise or something Expertise, like that. And so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, yes. and everybody's like, BDE, that means something totally different Very in my world. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Because he yes. wanted to be like a YouTuber, TikTok. Right. Uh, so he was always influencer. like. <laughs> I think he had a really interesting arc too, though, because he comes in as like the big dumb mm-hmm. jock mm-hmm. and thinks like, I just have to figure out a way to make the money work. And then comes to understand how important this place is right. to all the people there. And he's the one person that manages to see this person who stays kind of out of the spotlight but keeps the whole camp running and i thought they had a really beautiful non-romantic but like this really beautiful relationship because he could see this person Mm -hmm. for who he really was yeah i i agree i thought is todd is that his name i don't remember now todd i think so what is it (laughs) no i think troy troy Troy. isn't it troy troy (laughs) so picture chad brad as a puppy, like just that kind of personality in a puppy. He doesn't really yeah, know he's any a better. Retriever. He really is. And yeah. yeah, you're right. His arc, his development is like he realizes mm-hmm. how important like this is to his mother and he sees all the good. Like he's been blind the whole time. Like he just yeah. is out there, like just whatever, whatever. He doesn't pay attention to anything until mm-hmm. he actually is thrown into it. And then yeah. you see him change. And that was kind of cool. I mean, he's still dorky at the end and he's just like, oh. You know, is that Chad guy, totally. but, but still it was, it was, uh, <laughs> it was, 
it was very i love the cast i mean mm -hmm. um you will look at the movie and say oh that person's from this movie and that person played in this mm -hmm. movie and there are two characters that were in the bear have you seen the series the bear mm -mm. like on one it won a bunch of awards i've heard like, of it recently yeah. yeah it's uh it's like um i love it because i watched the series shameless and oh. lip is is the main character on uh the bear and mm -hmm. so his girlfriend uh is in this movie rebecca diane of course she goes by rebecca, rebecca diane that's her, <laughs> her name um uh -huh. rebecca and Di diane and then uh gosh i'm trying to think what is her name um G uh, this oh, one from yes. um it's like uh io edebri yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's yeah, in the she bear and she won some awards recently like for being yeah, in the bear she was in what else was she that in that movie that i was talking about a few episodes ago you're stalling because you're looking aren't you <laughs> i am not yes you I know am. and she was it's so funny because like troy had a, had to fire so many people just to keep the camp you know have some money keep it going and she was the only one that responded and she pretended like she could do all this stuff and she do nothing and she's asking the kids like how do you what is you know bat what what does she call it combat something oh yeah yeah stage yeah, so combat uh... yeah <laughs> So it's Io Edebiri, and mm. she was one of the leads in Bottoms, which was that like oh, you were talking about that. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was that like teen sex Fight Club movie for queer girls. <laughs> well, she's great in the Bear. I remember. I think oh, I know she? her the best from the Bear. Yeah, she's in the Bear. She's super good. She's yeah. a sous chef. She's fun. In, I thought she was fun in this one, too. Oh, she was hilarious in this movie. Yeah. I mean, she was great. Yeah. Um, so basically, this is a funny movie. You know, everything is completely inappropriate for kids. Like, they do productions like Studio 54, and they pre pretend to do, like, yeah. lines of coke. Um, and then, you, you know, you wonder, like, why, why are they doing all these adult productions? But I think... That's mm -hmm. just I and I don't know. Like I seriously don't know anything about theater camp. I just know that this just made me laugh the whole time. Oh and so I had to much. watch it like I started it again because I thought it was so funny. And you miss so many little things the first time around. I think you just miss yeah. the fun things and you watch it again. I'm still giggling going through it. I'm still laughing. I think it's just it's just it's funny. It's mm -hmm. um is it wrong that I laughed? Uh, inappropriate things like no no because okay. <laughs> i think they're there for us to laugh right at. I, think I think so too. too like yes it's so funny but i actually think the thing that makes it really special is that it just has so much heart right to mm -hmm. it and it's very clearly a love letter to theater camp so like yes it's probably hyperbolized mm -hmm. but it's done with so much love that I have a hard time imagining anyone not loving this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, with the with the world being the way that it is, you know, poking yeah. fun at everyone is just kind of what we need to sit back at and just kind of relax and enjoy it and mm -hmm. and not try to break it apart. And I just, if you're into that kind of humor, like, like if you like The Office and if you like the better best in show and just kind of the subtle type comedy, then then this is the this one. is for you this is the one i recommend it thank you tara for giving me the recommendation to begin yay. with so i appreciate it yay 
See, so, I didn't have to recommend it to you all because <laughs> I recommended it to Chris. Who Yay! Recommended it to you all. So, but the good news is, is that you watched it and you enjoyed it too. So that's oh, sweet. Yes. So you have kind of like two stamps of approval. Mm-hmm. Very true. Yes. This is it's a double wreck. <laughs> so that is my recommendation. What is your official recommendation, Tara? Okay. I finished this book yesterday. I loved oh, it so much. It's definitely going to be one of my top reads for this year. It is Yay. How You Get the Girl by Anita Kelly. And like I said, this takes place in the world of basketball. So um, Julie Parker super hates her day job working in the uh, fundraising office at Vanderbilt University. But she loves coaching East Nashville High's girls basketball team. Like that is so clearly her passion. And so when she takes on this new member of the team, whose name is Vanessa, she's super, hang on, I'm going to cut myself off because I want to read the opening line to you because this is when Vanessa is actually introduced. And I just think it's so great. Or it's like within the first paragraph, angry girls always made her smile. And I love that because I think that gives you a really good sense of like what kind of a coach Right. Julie Parker is. Um, and so when, when, when she's yeah, well, yes, but also she knows that if a girl is angry, like it, it's kind of this idea of like if you can be passionate about something, mm-hmm. you can become passionate about this. And she knows that if they have the fire to be angry, she can turn that fire into a love of the game. And so she's kind of reflecting on this as this new member of the team joins. And there are a couple of weeks into it, so it's unusual, but the office was like, you're going to really want to let this girl on the team. And she's like, okay. So Vanessa is the new member of the team. Vanessa's very like grumpy, mm-hmm. you know, like just this kind of giving off those angry vibes. that's making her think, yes, this is my kind of girl. <laughs> and then Vanessa's new foster parent shows up to pick her up. Because Vanessa has recently gone into, like gone into being fostered by this person who oh. happens to be her mom's cousin, who also happens okay. to be Julie's high school and college crush, Al oh. Cochran, former <laughs> WNBA player. <laughs> and I mean, like, Julie had Elle's poster oh. on her wall from when she was playing wow. in college. So, like, that level. So, you can imagine just like the level of, like, oh, oh my God. <laughs> what? And so, yeah, Julie, and Julie just feels like an absolute jackass in front of her and is so embarrassed. And but like after, you know, a little while, she's able to start holding it together around her. She's like, no, I'm going to focus on the game. It's going to be like that. But Julie needs an assistant coach really badly because she oh. isn't there anymore. And so somehow she manages to convince Elle, like, hey, hey, what if you were the assistant coach? And Elle was like, okay, and mm-hmm. does it. And so Elle actually has been away from football for nope. basketball. Think, basketball. Yeah, let's pick the right sport. Um, yes. <laughs> there are no all girls American football team. <laughs> well, that's not true. There are. How many? Uh, 14. That's 15 more than I expected you to say. <laughs> Those are the professional level. There's a ton. There's a ton of in of, high, for of at that women. high schools have. Oh no, not high school. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that's what no. I meant. Okay. But anyway, basketball. So basketball. L has um L had an injury after a couple of years in the WNBA and left the sport and actually has just been avoiding it altogether since then. But like 
she thinks Julie is super, super, super cute and kind of can't really resist her. And they both care about Vanessa and wanting her to be okay because, again, I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but obviously a kid doesn't end up in foster care unless something has happened in the right. home. And so they're both really invested in that. And so they start to form this friendship. And then Julie reveals she's never actually dated anyone before. And she's never actually slept with anyone before. And she feels really self-conscious and she feels all kinds of behind. And what if they're, but like, if only she could practice how to date, if she could practice how to do these things, like how you practice different things in sports. And Elle is like, I'll help you practice date. Maybe a little no. bit of would it, Would that be great? And of course, with the way all these books go, does practice day practice? No. no. And it's great. <laughs> I loved it. There were so many things that I loved about this book. I highlighted a bunch of shit because I didn't want to forget about it. I highlighted. Oh, come on. I thought the app would tell me. How old are they now? So I think Julie is supposed to be around 28, 27 or 28. The only reason I'm questioning 28 is because that is the age of the two women in the other book, which doesn't mean she can't be that age. I think she is. But yeah, like she's late 20s. And so I'm definitely going to get to that because that, that's okay, a whole, yeah, that's I have, a whole I have, thing. I have questions. I know. Right. But first things first, because I know you care about the chemistry. I yes. think the chemistry is adorable. And I think it was made especially great by how awkward Julie is at first because like <laughs> she's had a crush on Elle since she was 14. And that's the like kind of earlier in the book. And she's kind of doing her like, I don't know what I am. And I don't know what labels apply to me. I just know that I'm attracted to Al Cochran and Manny Jacinto. And Manny Jacinto plays like that dum-dum on The Good Place. Did you ever see The Good Place? Uh, yes and no. I never finished it. Don't hate me. D- I don't hate you. But do you remember okay. the guy who pretends to be mute? Or not mute. He pretends to have taken a vow of silence. Yes. Yes, yeah, I that do. Guy. Okay. <laughs> so she's like well i know i'm attracted to him what does this mean and so i just think there's something (laughs) so cute about the idea of like oh this is the person i've had a crush on for more than a decade and oh you're in my life now oh you're attracted manifested it yeah beautiful oh that's beautiful but i think what made this really special for me is that i got to see some things that I don't think I've ever seen them quite depicted in this way in romance and especially in sapphic romance. Now, to be fair, these might be things that have been dealt with in more like heterotype romances, but I don't read those anymore. So I can't really <laughs> say, um, but say like with Elle, she has migraines. So we see that. And as a person who deals with migraines, like mm. there's one point quite early, on, like very, very early on, it's actually in their first encounter. Um, she has a migraine and I, really identified when she there's something about how she feels like her body is failing because it doesn't always respond to the medication that's supposed to help oh and i was like fuck oh we're showing we're showing the real stuff like we're not just showing that like it's a headache like no no it's a it's a neurological issue we also learn later on that l lives with depression we actually kind of get to see what happens when she has a depressive episode we see it from her perspective we see it from julie's perspective we don't ever get vanessa's perspective in the book but we do see what vanessa does 
during this episode. Mm-hmm. And it made this feel again, very real, very fleshed out as a part of like who she is and as a part of her day to day and even learn about like how it affects her libido, how it can coincide with her migraines so that the migraines might actually be likely to happen when she's depressed. Um, mm-hmm. And so when I was reading that, I was like, shit, this is a book that might actually really help some people. I just yeah. thought that was really great. And then with Julie, this is to where you have questions, where probably many oh, people yes. have questions based on what I said. I kind of appreciated getting to see someone who's in their late 20s and they're still trying to figure out, like, what's my identity? She doesn't know what her sexual orientation is. She knows she's somewhere on the queer spectrum. So like I said, she was always attracted to L and to Manny Jacinto. What <laughs> is it when you're attracted to two specific people? She doesn't know if she's gay. She doesn't know if she's bisexual or pansexual. She also wonders if she might be somewhere on the asexual spectrum. And so seeing somebody explore that and trying to figure it out. And so that by the end, it seems like she's probably demisexual because she enjoys sex with Elle. And for people that don't know, demisexual is a part of the asexual spectrum, but it's where you are only sexually attracted to somebody that you've really kind of formed a connection with that you have that you have strong feelings for like it's it's a it's not about like she wouldn't be able to just sleep with anybody but she can sleep with l because she you know grows to love her and is attracted to her and that whole exploration was really really beautiful Mm. and i especially loved seeing the way that l she took everything at Julie's pace. It was never about pushing because they are practicing, quote unquote, at first anyway, for quite a while. <laughs> but she would set aside what she wanted for herself because she knows how important it is for Julie to figure this out, that it's something mm-hmm. that bothers her. And so I I didn't grow up thinking I was ace. I mean, I, I grew up in, you know, evangelical churches at the height of the purity culture movement. But I at least kind of understood feeling like not having access to sex and sexuality because I didn't really stray that far outside the boundaries of what the church told me I was supposed to do. And there is this whole kind of like, what am I doing? Am I an idiot? <laughs> yeah, all that. So there was something that really resonated and I think felt especially special to me about having somebody like L as a prospective partner for Julie, who was willing to work with her, who was willing to meet her at whatever it was that she needed, rather than saying, well, this is silly, and then taking off, kind of in the way that Julie was afraid somebody might do. Mm. Do you still have questions? I was just going to point out that I really like that they are normal names. Oh, yes. Also that, right? Yeah. Like, like I know Julie's and I know Elle's. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that there are normal names. I, you know, not yeah. every writer does that. You know, they try to do the latest and greatest, you know, names that are like really cool. Yeah. There are a lot of names in Lesbic sometimes where I, I have to admit, I do wonder. <laughs> right. Did a parent give this name to a child? Insert age number of years. Right. Right. Ago. Like we, um, yeah, we actually have to use the, um, the, what is it? The census? I think there's something that we have to go and look at the, um, like the birth names from the year of, you know, do whatever. You? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Like 20, you know, like, uh, 
1990, Jessica. Everybody mm-hmm. was named Jessica. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, real names, like, like not like I, mm-hmm. I, so now I try to do like one name that's normal and one name that's a little spicier than the other. Yeah. So I have like a plain Jane and then I have like Tristan or something like completely like Kate mm-hmm. and Tristan, I think is what I had in one, in one book. So, so I can appreciate when people use real names, I, real names, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like more common names, Chris, Tara, you know, those mm-hmm. are pretty common names. Mm-hmm. Although here it's pronounced Tara. Did you know that? Some people pronounce it that way here too, but that's just not how my parents pronounced it. Cause that's right. not how the character's name was pronounced on all my children, <laughs> which is where my mother. <laughs> I you learn something name. new every time. <laughs> I love it. You're welcome. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> so I, I hijacked that. So I'm sorry. No, that's okay. Please continue. No, I think you're right. I hadn't even thought of that, but yeah. I agree. It was kind of nice to read i'm so name sensitive uh, i am yeah because there is somewhere i i'm sorry there are times where i just am like no like come on (laughs) i'll shake my head like nope i just i cannot so for people that like anita kelly Mm -hmm. their books uh love and other disasters which i think i talked about yeah last year the year before on the show and also the book something wild and wonderful Mm -hmm. i have great news because julie is actually the sister to London, who's one of the leads in Love and Other Disasters. And also her best friend is Ben, who was in Something Wild and Wonderful. And so we get to catch up with both couples. I really, I really enjoyed Love and Other Disasters. There's only like one thing I was a little meh about because there was like food and a sex scene, which I'm like, no, no syrup and a sex scene. That's an infection (laughs) waiting to happen. I'm still always like, meh. It, no. it, it pulls me out of it i feel like it's one of those polarizing issues unless mm-hmm. because some people super love it and other people like me are like mm, no just don't but regardless i didn't remember a lot that's the old how awful is it i remember that i loved the book but also that that was the scene that i was like no but everything else worked really well for me <laughs> And I didn't read Something Wild and Wonderful. I didn't read Ben's book. Oh, okay. And it didn't matter. So this works perfectly well as a standalone. So I think, you know, if you've read the other books, it's just a bonus. If you haven't, it doesn't matter. Either way, you can enjoy this book. The only really critical thing that I have to say about it is Mm. just that I felt like the epilogue felt, it just fell a little flat. Mm. Um, But everything, and the epilogue is quite short. So everything else though, I enjoyed it so much. I actually didn't want the book to end. I just think it's wonderful. So this is definitely going directly to my reread pile because I loved it so much. I feel like I have a hiccup. It was a little burp. You're welcome. Now you know. (laughs) I'm glad we're this close. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's That's probably going to be an outtake. (laughs) I'd rather not, but it's probably going to be an outtake. That is all for this episode. Thank you so much, as always, for joining us. If you've enjoyed the show and you haven't subscribed yet, you probably have. But if you haven't, just in case, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app. Again, if you have a friend that you think would enjoy this, need some book recommendations, maybe some movie recommendations, please tell them all about it. And if you want to support us, we do have those links in our show notes to our coffee and our newsletter sign up. Or if you want to connect with us on your favorite social media sites, we have links in the show notes for that as well. Or you can just search for Queerly Recommended on all the social media sites or email us at Queerly Recommended. No, I'm lying at podcast at QueerlyRecommended.com. 
Goodbye, everyone. Goodbye.